Good morning, everyone. Happy Tuesday and welcome to episode number 62 of the Still City Insider Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy Ritz, alongside Mr. Jim Wexel. And today we have back with us Matt Cecil from the Still City Insider. Gentlemen, how are you? And what dedication to football you both have? It's what, 4.35 a.m.? Yeah, fourth wake-up call. I get that coffee going. Fans aren't going to see this till about noon. They don't care about our problems. They're in fact, they're glad we have them. That's true. That's true. We're we're good. Our minds are fresh after a nice rest. We're ready to roll. We're ready to roll. We just uh, had the Easter holiday. Hopefully everybody had a great holiday with your family and friends. And today we're going to catch up on some coaching additions to the Steelers organization, a signing of a new free agent. And then obviously, being that it's the month of April, it is April 11th. We are very close to the NFL draft. We're going to continue with our draft talk, hitting specifically on a column that Matt wrote last week, digging into potential prospects that could join the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's go ahead and jump right into it here this morning. We're going to start with the hiring of an offensive assistant in Pittsburgh, that is Glenn Thomas. He was the offensive coordinator at Arizona State. And Matt and Jim, let's talk about, about it. What does this signing mean, this addition to the coaching staff? And something else that we've noticed, too, is that Matt Canada has not been present at any of the pro days, any of the scouting here with these draft prospects coming on board. Any significance to that? Um, and should we read anything into this addition? I know that's a, a lot. Um, yeah, what are we talking about? Let's go. Glenn Thomas. Jim, you want to start? What are we talking about? Glenn, Glenn Thomas or Matt Glenn Canada? Glenn Thomas. Uh, you know what? I, I'd like to hear Matt's opinion of Glenn Thomas and what it means, because I think it's more of a fan opinion, and it will speak for the fans on what they're thinking, and then I could trash it. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> if he can come in and fix the play-action game, then that's that's all I'm looking for. You know, the running game is there in a lot of ways. Uh, I just, they got to be able to run play action like I've been lamenting over the last who knows how many years. So if they can do that, you know, I'm all for it. Is he the next Matt Canada in terms of the guy in line to replace the coordinator? Because Fickner was there and it seemed like, all right, like Matt Canada's there as the, the next guy. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. It's funny that the people are either, um, thinking it's some kind of safety net where if uh, Matt Canada fails, they can go to this guy in game four or that he's in line to become the offensive coordinator. This is a guy who was fired by Arizona state after they lost to Eastern Michigan. (laughs) I don't get this. He's in line to be the offensive coordinator. Yeah, true. I mean, He has a more extensive resume than the guys who are usually hired for offensive assistance and get coffee and break down film. Uh, I think uh, this is really overplayed by fans. And uh, I, this guy has three years as a quarterback coach at uh, Atlanta and they were pretty good. He had Matt Ryan. I'd like to know what Matt Ryan thinks. Uh, He was at Temple. He before Arizona State, he was at UNLV as a quarterbacks coach. Not much of a resume, but I mean, it's higher than the normal kid that comes in and breaks down tape for everybody and gets some coffee as the offensive assistant. He's a little higher than that. I've watched Arizona State play, and it's the same offense as Canada runs. So I think he's here to help Canada. 
I didn't see much of a passing game at Arizona State at all. Uh, same kind of thing. Uh, uh, I, I think it's the same uh, of what uh, the Steelers have had, and it's just going to be an offensive assistant to um, Matt Canada. I really don't see anything more. I don't see a guy getting in line to be the offensive coordinator next sure. year, as a lot of people are assuming. Sure. Tim, maybe it's a guy, a guy that Canada wanted. Do you think it's a guy that Canada maybe wanted to bring in that he's got contacts with that he knows that? It um, makes you think. It makes you think that when you watch the Arizona State offense, it makes you think that. Yeah. Okay. So just digging into that a little bit more. I mean, there has to be some value added by them adding someone to their coaching staff. Specifically, what is it that he's going to bring? Is it just another set of eyes uh, during game day um, to? to help diagnose the defense and determine what plays to run, what what really is going to be his value added? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a cheap hire. It's um, I, I think the Steelers should be criticized. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this was their chance to, in theory, bring in some kind of passing game coordinator, and this guy doesn't seem to be it. But a, a helper. You know, I don't know that Dan Rooney would agree that uh, at expanding the staff with just a guy, you know, he was a guy that believed in uh, small staffs. He was mm-hmm. a money guy. Yeah. So who knows? I I, I just I, I hate to throw a, a wet blanket over it all because I know people are excited. And I kind of just assumed that this guy was going to be some kind of pass game coordinator. But it's just going to be he's just going to be another guy break down film help out. All right. All right, so there you go. Just another guy added in the offensive coaching uh, assistant area. Kind of like, this is what it feels like, like the free agent you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy, so, you said they signed a free agent. Yes, yeah, so I did not even know. Yeah, I, speaking I speaking know. of uh, uh, some other additions here, free agency, the Steelers have been very active. That activity continued into the end of the day yesterday, Monday. The Steelers signed defensive lineman Armin Watts, twenty six year old, uh, six round pick out of Arkansas. Defensive end, so he, he's not going to be called upon to start. Obviously, uh, he's going to work into that rotation. Who knows if he he'll even stick on the roster by the end of training camp? But he's got good lateral movement. Um, but I don't see that impacting their draft strategy or what they're going to do in in any way. Um, and when did they do this? This was yesterday. Uh, toward it was like it was late night, so like around ten o'clock. I think I saw this signing. And this is a defensive lineman. Defensive lineman, Armin Watts. Armin. Armin Hammer. Armin Gillibrew. Do we know any Ar- Armin Gilliam? Competi- competition for Lauda Milka. I don't know. Hey, he's, hey, his last name guy. Maybe he's TJ's cousin. There you go. Speaking of which, I did a little more research on the episode name. I was waiting for the Tonchilkin episode because the great Tonchilkin, uh, number 62. I did. I, was, I also found that uh, Steve Suey, father of the great Matt Suey, Steve Suey wore number sixty-two for the Steelers in the forties. Matt Suey, who was I? I, I educate. You Matt Suey. I'm, I'm missing. No, I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a you call yourself a quarterback? <laughs> I'm, uh, no, oh, I was man. a center. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, he was Jim. He was Walter Payton's fullback. Yeah, he was from Penn State. Yeah, Steve Suey is actually Steve Suey is actually in the College Football Hall of Fame from Penn State. I mean, he's nobody to to. He's not just a guy like the new quarterbacks coach or the new defensive lineman. Yeah, I, I knew that there's 
Penn State connection there. Yeah, Matt Sui was a great uh, fullback uh, in the NFL. Uh, played for the Bears, 85 Bears. He was Walter Payton's guy. Did he yeah. wear number 30? Man. Did he wear number 30, Jim? Is it 30, 36? Was it 30 or 26? 26. 26, maybe. Yeah. Okay. See, see, when I was thinking. 26, I think you're right. Yeah. But Steve Sui wore 62. That was my point. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Tunch with 62. I mean, all the props and love to him in the world. I mean, that's what about nice big, touch. big big Dan McCallers and Big Dan, <laughs> Big Dan, Big Dan. Yes, good old Big Dan. Shifting gears here a little bit, we are very close to the start of the NFL draft. It's April 11th. Whenever you're watching this, who knows the date? But the draft starts April 27th. That's going to be the first round, second and third round, and 28th, and then the later rounds. Uh, on the 29th, remember the Steelers don't have a fifth or a sixth round pick this year. And we're going to continue our discussion about the draft as we are getting closer. And last week, Matt, you put together a great column uh, called Ga- Gaining Draft Clarity for the Steelers. And you actually referenced me. I, I felt honored. I was like, wow, I'm like, <laughs> my name's in this article here. But you <laughs> talked about your order uh, of prospects and and maybe how you saw this thing playing out in the first round. If if one player is not there, where they could potentially go, and then you even get into a corner uh, later in the second round or possibly even the third round that's very similar to Joey Porter Jr. And I don't want to steal your thunder, but how about you talk about that column and let's get some healthy discussion going around the draft. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk about hey. If- there's three corners and three offensive linemen. I, I think there's three offensive linemen, but you know the media out there seems to say Broderick Jones or the you know the the bloggers were we're saying Darnell Wright, and I have Jones kind of down the list. And I watched him against Ojalari for LSU, and it was his pass blocking was rough. I mean the, the technique is. I'd be afraid to have him first year you know, protecting Kenny Pickett's blind side. So I had hit him at seven, but we start off realistically with, you know, either Porter. I think Witherspoon's going to be gone. So I think the discussion then leads to either Porter or Darnell Wright. Right? And, and what's the goal here? Are we trying to get a top five defense, you know, and, and then support Kenny in that running game? Or do we want to support Kenny in the running game with Darnell Wright? What Andy Weidel has done along with Omar Khan, you know, bringing in guys that are tough, that are physical. And then he's brought a couple of three of his guys now that he likes along the offensive line. I kind of would love to see the the trenches too. I don't know what you guys' thoughts are, but if, if Porter and Darnell Wright are there, you know, I told you I could lean one way or the other, depending on the day. Uh, the more research right. from Porter. Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's mix it up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just saying the more research corner or offensive tackle. That's the question. I think that's the question Jeremy put to you to to, that opened the column. And it's an interesting question. Where do we go? And I I think a lot of it, and and Matt, you referenced it when you said 0.07 is the difference where you can get a guy who's the same as Porter, just 0.07 seconds slower in the what is it, the 40? Yeah. Um you could wait. And I, I think that's, I, I wrote a column for Steelers Digest that 
I kind of got into that a little bit. We're, we're, we're looking at the first round pick and then we're throwing in, well, you can get other guys later. And then you're, you're getting a little too clever. I think I, I, I'm worried about that mindset of cleverness of saying you can get this position later. So let, let's erase that. Let's, I yeah. mean, if that happens in the third round, great. If you yeah. can get that guy in, in with the third pick, great. But let's just, Forget that it's a deep crop of corners and a shallow crop of tackles. Which position do they need more? Let me, I'll jump in here. I'll, yeah, I'll jump in ahead. here uh, just to offer a differing point of view. So here's how, here's how I look at it, uh, right or wrong. I'm looking at this as who helps right away. The Steelers have improved their offensive line with the addition of the interior offensive lineman. So I feel like that's been solidified. How much value or contribution are you going to get from a tackle immediately this season weeks one through seven versus a cornerback who's going to come in be mentored by Patrick Peterson it's going to play alongside Levi Wallace Mm -hmm. which I know that's not great but you're grooming this player if it is Porter Jr. or Devin Witherspoon over time he's going to play sub package football he's going to get some reps I think he can give greater contribution. And really, with some of the additions that they've made defensively, this should be an improved defensive unit. I think you get more bang for your buck with a corner early on. And you you kind of need it because if you're going to put a third rounder out there, a fourth rounder, you're really taking a shot in the dark, expecting them to come in and contribute. You at least have some pedigree with the first. Yeah. So for, for me, a tackle, if they're taking a tackle, they're – that that impact is not happening right away. That's that's my opinion. I see the, yeah. the corner contributing early more. Sure, yeah, and it, uh, I mean they if they were so interested in tackles, I see them bringing in a lot of interior offensive line. Yes, you got visits, so uh, maybe they still want to address that. So I think they go best player on the board, and if that's corner, great. You know. Um, yeah, that's what that's what I'm thinking. I, I, I'm trying to get away from the bigger need. I want a guy yeah. I love. Right. I want a guy I love. And who do we love? Darnell Wright or Joey Porter Jr.? Right. Joey Porter. I think I love Porter. Yeah. Who? Porter Jr. Think, yeah. Well, because but but your basis is because of the need. Is it is it the player? Do you love the player better, Matt? I look at Wright and I think, oh, wow, three-star, three-sport athlete in high school, state championship, put guys, you know, he's a five-star recruit. He's only 21 years old. He's physical. He's a mauler. I think more upside maybe with him compared to if Porter could play his own and he could show that he could change direction and be fluid in and out of breaks and he offered you everything, I'd be 100% sold on Porter. Absolutely. But you're not. But I'm not, you know, I saw him get in and out of, and I just won. Uh, that's what I wanted to see him in the combine and he did not do the field drills. And then I'm looking for, you know, his pro day. I saw him do a back pedal and then break forward. And it was, there was a little hesitance in there. And, you know, I'm wondering, can he play zone too? You know, is he just a long corner? And if he doesn't get his arms on you, is he in trouble? I, you know, his, his numbers, he only gave up 134 yards passing. It's pretty incredible the entire season at Penn State. He's had he's had some penalty issues, but it's not a slam dunk, right? 
you know, so uh, it's it's worth the debate because then, yeah, right. Might he might not start, Jeremy, but he might because, you know, a core. You, you don't you don't need him until someone's injured, and then you're then you're looking at re-signing Trent Scott off the street, and you're saying, right. Jesus, our season's over. Better than Jonathan Scott. <laughs> but I, you you know we want to be careful too. The draft really is never entirely about this first season. You, you're looking at two, three, four years right. down the road. Thus, too. thus, who do you love? So here's a here's to, let me let me muddy the waters a little bit. Let's say a guy like, yeah. uh, and I'm probably going to butcher his name. I'm terrible at pronunciations. Kal- what about Kalaja Kansi, the de- defensive lineman from Pitt? Now, I know he doesn't really – he's not a great scheme fit, but let's say that he falls. Or, you know, somebody who's slated for, you know, to go in the top 12 drops to 17. Or do they surprise all of us and go Jordan Addison if he's still on the board? Now, I know that he's slated to go later, but could it be – could there be a prospect that maybe we don't have any idea where they just catch us all off guard and we're like, what the hell was that? Kalajic King Clancy isn't predicted to go before 17. And and if you love an undersized tackle, defensive tackle, great. If he's Aaron Donald, great. But I don't think he's Aaron Donald. I think he's pretty good. But Mm -hmm. I I think the only guy that falls under that umbrella, Jeremy, is Jalen Carter. I just remember Randy Moss. I remember watching Tom Donahoe on the Stan Saverin show. And they said, what if Randy Moss falls to you at 25, 26, wherever they were picking? I think Fanica went that year. And Donahoe said, he can keep on falling. <laughs> and he went at 21 and became all century. But that's kind of the guy I look at with Jalen Carter. Maybe a Warren Sapp is a better positional analogy, but uh, I take Jalen Carter. Uh, people, I know, Matt, you're, you're going to hate people that gain weight before their pro day. But as a guy who's who's covered uh, guys like Troy Polamalu five, six, seven years after their rookie year was a whirlwind. And they thought it really that nonstop training for two years really put them back instead of taking that rest. I think Jalen Carter, I don't know if it's laziness or if someone's in his ear telling him he's smart uh, by uh, taking a break right now while everybody else is foolishly trying to play for the worst teams in the NFL. Well, I think it's depression maybe because I mean, his was a roommate that died in that car accident. So it was a good friend that died in the car. That's a good point. You know, that's a good point. I don't think mentally he's probably struggling. I know he's had a a lot of speeding tickets, so it wasn't just that issue. Um, it's, I would, I would like to dig into him a little bit, but I wouldn't automatically knee jerk to say he's lazy. Cause look at, he's gained weight at, at, at a job interview time. Sure. I, I think an think... athlete can, can get back in shape in the summer and will be glad later that he took the time off in the spring. Like every think... other veteran NFL player does. Steelers dig deeper than we can. So, and find information on him. And if you put him next to Cameron Hayward, who can mentor him, what better situation for a kid? You know, because we watch a lot of interior linemen. Before the Steelers signed 114 interior offensive linemen this free agency, we were all watching interior linemen tape. And uh, they all looked good until they went up against Jalen Carter. And I wasn't even – that's that's I wasn't looking for Jalen Carter tape. 
but he just dominated everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the best player out there. So that's a kind of that's a kind of guy. That's the only guy dropping that would really interest me, except for those corners. We love those corners, right? Sure. Right. But that's <laughs> that's because of what we're all talking about with Joey Porter Jr. Right. So anyway, that that's the guy I, I would consider if he dropped. I don't know how you feel about that, Matt, but um that's the one guy. But otherwise, yeah. uh, I'm really tempted to go with you on Darnell Wright, even though as Jeremy points out the need is bigger at corner. You know, two, three years later, when Kenny Pickett's ready to, to put a Super Bowl run together, you're gonna say, Man, we passed on this guy. Right. We loved him, but you had some little little need quirk to so you could go 10 and 7 in, in th- that year plus if you're going to support Kenny Pickett and I think the right way to go is is offensive line I I get a little frustrated with <laughs> all the receiver talk and <clears throat> well we got to get him weapons or there's only one ball out there so you know you got enough weapons you got Fryermuth and Pickens and John, you know I think Jordan Addison's an absurdity I I I mean, yeah. especially after his 40 time. Was he four five eight? Four four nine, but you know, he's a guy in and out of breaks. He's a little guy. You know, championship teams don't draft little guys in the first round. You know, let's let's get Why bigger. It? Let's cave in that right side and 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 man, like now let's get Najee fifteen hundred, close to two thousand yards since they're playing so many games. Let's get that running game going, play action, make it easy on, on Kenny, make easier on Kenny and, and continue where you left off last year, you know, with. And, and, and you know, Leon Searcy didn't play at all his rookie year. The great Tonchilkin, number 62. Right. Played right tackle that entire season. Yeah. Hey, Lane Johnson played right tackle, man. He's, he's a top five pick. I mean, maybe he wasn't drafted to be a right tackle, but. Guy, I don't think anybody regrets taking him in the top 10, even though he's played right tackle the majority of his career. Yeah. But my point is the need wasn't there when they took Leon Searcy, and that's considered one of Cowher's great drafts. Yeah. His first. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, so. Um, interesting. Um, but you make a great point, Matt, in your column about Mel Blunt, Rod Woodson. Who are the yeah. other guy? Ike, Ike Taylor. Taylor. I mean, and so it comes back to those 0.07 seconds. Right. And then Brent, <laughs> Brent's had like a 664 in the three cone and a 404 in the, the shuttle. And he shows you that, hey, I can change direction. I've been talking to Pat Kerwin's interview. I mean, he's, the kid came off like a leader. He's physical in the run game. And when you can change direction like that, you can be multiple. You can play in the slot a little bit. You know, so he's sudden. And he's just as long and he's got the same height, weight. So, I mean, the, whether he's not, he's there at 49. Like you said, you can't say, well, I'm going to draft this guy, even though I don't like him as much because I think somebody's going to be there later. That's not a good draft strategy. But we do know that there is more depth and, you know, you can get a Ringo possibly at 32. Um, well, if we're kicking this around in the, in the draft room, you, you've got my attention with Brent's uh, later. As as some kind of minute reason to take Darnell Wright, and I don't want to go there. But if we do go there, we got to pick him at thirty-two. Here's the thing about Wright too. People, some you hear what I said, Matt, about Brents. Yeah, yeah. We got to pick him at thirty-two. We can't wait for forty-nine. I, I'm. You know who I'm not passing on. My my 
My, and it's not because he played at Michigan. My number one is is Mozzie because he's a unicorn in terms of your number one at seventeen, at thirty two. You know, not you know, I not at seventeen, but the guy that I think that when you have Cam Hayward and you, he's thirty four, man, give him a guy with a high end talent to mentor. He's going to be able to play in sub package. I watched him line up against Paris Johnson and, and get beat him around the edge. Beat Paris Johnson twice. You know, I, I look at that Ohio State game. He was he okay, was, but we're getting off the track of Brents and uh, right uh, between yeah. Wright and Porter. And so well, you talk me is, into Brents. Yeah. And okay, Brents at thirty-two. Ex- unless Mozzie's there, then now we've got Darnell Wright and Mozzie Smith, and now we're all happy. And now we can, you know. Take what's ever left over at corner. Here, at Forty-nine. So, That's not a bad draft strategy. Here, here's the it's biggest. Not. Here's the biggest question. So, if we're if we're trying to look at look at this through the lens of the Steelers organization in terms of long-term value and what's better for this organization and team long-term, which I think is where we're going with this, it seems to be just from listening to both of you that it's tackle and not corner. Because no, see, so you're looking at position. We're not. We're but, looking at player. Hear, hear me out, though. If you're, and this is just the way that I'm seeing it, and this is just maybe a different perspective. If you believe that you have your franchise quarterback and Kenny Pickett, you've rebuilt the interior part of your offensive line, you've got a strong running game, you layer in that tackle who not only helps with pass protection, but becomes a mauler in the run game. Your run game improves, takes pressure off the quarterback. That That's more important than getting a corner early if you feel there's a guy that maybe in the second or third round that can bring in and maybe do the same thing maybe not as well as porter jr but close enough so uh, that's just the way that maybe i'm i'm processing this that maybe the the greater benefit long term for this entire team and organization is tackle possibly Mm -hmm. Mm Possibly. I mean, Possibly. look, you get a great corner, it's great long term, too. Right. So, I mean, just trying to get a great player. And if you can get a blue chip player in one position or the other in comparison, you know, I'm all for it. I, I just think, too, at the end of the day, this team is really over the last several years focused on building from the outside in instead of the inside out, drafting all those receivers and drafting small linebackers. And like, let's. Let's build and get that line on the offense going one way and let's push and let's have depth in the D line and have guys fresh. And now we're dominating in the fourth quarter that way. And I still think that's football, even though the rules change. You went in the trenches. I've always believed in that. And I think it seems like they're going in that direction with this new uh, team of, of leadership. See, I came into today or this morning like uh, dead set on cornerback, but you're making you guys are you're making me question myself here. Well, you can get corner well, uh, again, rounds two and three. We we still get two. We could still get two of those first four picks, and you get a slot guy possibly in round three. You know, there's depth there. I mean, the depth at outside linebacker and inside and and cornerback is is what's pretty much the consensus in this draft. Again, it comes down to who do you who do you love? And Matt mm-hmm. and I, I don't think we could break the tie on Joey Porter Jr. and Darnell Wright. Mm-hmm. So if if they are indeed tied, now we'll go to the the strategy of the draft where we can get a Brents later. We can't get a tackle later. We get a Brents later. So okay, but that later can't be forty nine. It has to be thirty two. And the only guy that's standing in our way at thirty two is Mozzie Smith, and I can live with Darnell Wright and Mozzie Smith, one, two. 
Mm-hmm. So I think we're I think we're on the verge of a strategy here. Right. And if Smith isn't there, the Breesy or maybe Keon White. Well, then it's Brett. Yeah. Yeah. You want to throw more names in there? You want to confuse this draft table? We got the clocks ticking, man. <laughs> Come on, Waddle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm Tomlin. I'm 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 leaning on you, but I'm making the call. Okay, because that's yeah. how we work here. Everybody well, wants saying, to hey, say it's Andy Waddle's. Hey, Mike, we're, we're building that offense and defensive line. We're going to be all right at all. At, at no, home. we're building great players. We're building Hall we of Fame busts. Right, but these are these. Those are those are potential players too. I mean, all of it's on potential. If it was a Hall of Fame player, he he wouldn't be around at thirty-two. It'd be going in the top ten. So everything is a little bit subjective. But Mike Webster was around in the fifth round. Sure, yeah, of course. But there's no guarantees when you're drafting him, right? So, well, that's why you got to go with guys you love instead of fancy strategies. That's my yeah. point. That's all. Uh, my point is just there's several players I love too, right? So. And uh, and I think the impact defensively, you know, let's look at the Giants of 2007. Does anybody remember who their corners were? I know is the you you know OCU Manura, Justin Tuck, and Michael Strahan were just dominating that front four, and you know the the back end. Uh, you know, I don't remember, but I know like they beat the undefeated Patriots, right? Like if you got that front four, that the dominant. Offensive and defensive lines. We saw the offensive line for Philadelphia, for for KC. If I just start from there, and then now I support those cornerbacks with tremendous depth and push. You know, I I'm not saying Julius Brents is going to be a, a, a Pro Bowl caliber human. I don't even know if Porter will be. So um there's just more depth there. And I think guys like Cam Smith will be there and guys there's upside. There's more upside guys where Matthew Berger on at 49. If I want to get an offensive lineman, I'm less sold on him than I am on the cornerback depth. Yeah. Well, one thing is for certain that we have hammered and hammered and hammered. Yeah. Have conversation the last couple of weeks. I think the, the listeners and, and viewers are, are well informed uh, about, potential prospects at 17 even into that second round third round and thankfully we only have about two weeks to go before the draft and i think we're going to work on trying to do a a mock draft exercise we're going to have um roy and shane on too jim did we talk about doing something like that yeah yeah so we'll (laughs) the, (laughs) the exercise will be one of us would take a round we would do a mock uh, so we'll, we're, we're going to talk through that, try to get that set up, but gentlemen, any, any other things to add here before we close up episode number 62, the, the, uh, Tunch Ilkin episode. Yeah, just briefly, I, I get it. Hopefully this will be the last year where we're not, the Steelers don't have fifth and sixth round picks. I mean, it's more than just a fifth and sixth round pick, you know, cause you can use that as draft as trade capital and I feel like if you want to move up a couple spots for a guy it's really difficult to do when you only have one third day pick of value and they move that fourth round pick and now you only got two seventh round picks so it feels like they're kind of handcuffed and stuck with what to do I mean the tight end position is as deep I would love to see there's a few guys there I like in the third round you get one of those guys I'd be happy with you know, I think they need another running back considering that there's 21 games you're going to have to play most likely. And you can't really do that in rounds three or four necessarily. So like, 
you know, they got to draft, make keep their draft capital, you know, so that they can take the best available player, the player that they might love in rounds three or four, rather than, hey, I got to fill a need. And because that's what it feels like for those rounds right now. Yep, the aging quarterback is gone. All of that. Uh, let's let's take one last desperate chance to win with him. Uh, that's done. So I, I don't suspect they'll be wasting fifth rounders on a Kello Witherspoons anymore. Yeah. Right. Yep. And the only thing I want to add is, if but you, I agree, and I ripped them in Steelers Digest for it. So yeah. Yeah. something that I don't want to. It'll rip. be on. It'll be on Dan Rooney's or Art Rooney's desk. <laughs> what, yeah, what are you holding your hand now, Jimmy? This is come on. I'm trying to give a great plug here. So for all of you Steelers fans out there, Steelers Nation, if you want a great draft book about your Pittsburgh Steelers on the clock, written by Mr. Wexel himself, this is a phenomenal read. I know that uh being a, a big Steelers fan in the 90s growing up, this brought back so many memories and just learning the 70s, even back 60s, 50s. I mean, this has some deep research here. Check this out on the clock, Jim. Um, we'll have that linked in the show notes. Anything you want to add about this great tome? No, I appreciate. I appreciate. After after I've been yelling at you for the last half hour, you still come through with some nice things to say. So thank you. Uh, Matt, I appreciate you joining us, especially at this early hour. Uh, your, your input is invaluable, even though I was yelling at you too. So yeah. <laughs> it was, this was good. I, I wanted to get more conversational instead of soliloquies going. And I think we did that because I wanted to, I wanted to feel like we're sitting around a draft table, arguing, sure. pounding the table for our guys and also trying to get into each other's psyche of who do you love? That's what I want. Oh, who do you yeah. love? I don't want to hear about positions. I don't want to hear about needs. I want to hear about a great player. I want to hear about yeah. hall of famers. Cause I- I'm sorry to break it to all of you. It ain't no Super Bowl happening this year. Right. Just my opinion. I can say that Mike Tomlin can't, but we can say that. And, and, you know, you're not going to go to a a Super Bowl until you get Hall of Fame players. We got to get a Hall of Fame player today. That has to be their mindset. That has to be their mindset. Right. Hey, this is so anyway, that's that's where I went today. uh, I'm glad you guys came along. And, and yeah, if you want to get my book, uh, go to jimwexel.com and I'll send you autographed copies. Pull them all, the book is half price. I tell you, I'm getting a lot of action. Uh, these podcasts, Jeremy, you're helping out a lot uh, by bringing these these uh, uh, marketing employees up, and I appreciate it. So. No problem. And my, mine is addressed to the, the best uh, podcaster in Steelers Nation. Man. <laughs> you are. Oh, you are. Okay, look Absolutely. And we want to thank everybody for joining us for episode 62. Check out Matt's work at the Still City Insider, Jim's work at the Still City Insider. Give Jim a follow on Twitter at Jim Wexel, you can check out my work at thestillstudy.com. Give me a follow at Still Study, and we will see you back here for episode number 63 of the Still City Insider podcast. Have a great day, everyone.